0: Everybody, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. Um, my name is Chris Denson. My Twitter handle is Densonology. D E N S O N O L O G Y. Uh, and you had to sh- slip O G in there. I did, because <laughs> I, I—that's you've been—you've seen the show, and you've seen me in the streets. Um so in case you don't know by now this show is where we uh talk to a lot of really innovative, interesting people behind great ideas and uh and, and just really cool stuff in the world. So today, my guest is a guy by the name of Steve Bellinger. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, a roar from the crowd. <laughs> that, uh, Anthony was just did the one-man wave. Yeah. <laughs> he, he stood up and just sat down. Rather sad. He's like, I was gonna leave, but That's better attention than I get at home, so that's pretty good. It's a better reception. I like that. I was going to leave, but I'm not even (laughs)
1: interested enough to walk out of the room. I'm glad that all the innovative people couldn't make it today, and then I was able to slip in. (laughs) That was good.
0: Um, Speaking of innovative people, give us the one-on-one on Steve Bellinger. Who are you? Where'd you come from? What do you do? Uh, Right now, I am
1: a writer, actor, slash stay-at-home dad. So that's my job, is changing diapers and watching Dora the Explorer. Nice. How old are the kids? Uh, Six and three. Yeah. And you're still in diapers, huh? Uh, the little guy.
0: I'm trying okay. to get him out of diapers. He
1: is costing me money.
0: Yeah, well, I, I have a, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and, a half year old and oh. we're, we're nowhere near. You're stuck no for catches. a while. Uh, yeah, now, a sure. uh, very personal question. You're sticking on one, or are you going for a— uh, Well, there's a nine-year-old as well. There's a nine-year-old.
1: Oh, wow, so you had a big
0: spread. Yes, okay. exactly. Well, I, I figured I could have help at that point. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to hire a nanny. I just put the nine-year-old to Yeah, work. see, the, six, the three-year spread— like, just as the the oldest one was yeah, getting out like, of
1: stuff, I was like, oh, look, another fucking baby. That's
0: awesome. Get out of the cabinet. Huh?
1: I literally got my vasectomy as soon as we got that kid in the car to come home from the hospital. Nice. And you also bought the video with you, right? So we can post it to
0: the Absolutely. Okay. It's
1: on uh, YouTube. It's on pretty much everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Your tube. My tube. <laughs> is there a my tube?
0: <laughs> I'm sure there, there is. There, there will be now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so historically, like we, you know, when when I look at your resume, right, I, I see a uh, a very long stint as an executive at Penthouse. I have two different resumes.
1: I have my corporate resume, yes. which is the 16 year span where I was doing what you're supposed to do,
0: right? Go to work and look at naked.
1: Oh well, I, for eight years I worked at Penthouse magazine, <laughs> which is, I guess, not what everybody does, but yeah, it, it was just a basic, boring job in a place that sold pictures of naked ladies, right? Um, and then I went to Time Inc. for eight years and was a corporate executive. Uh, and then I put the brakes on and dropped out of corporate life to become a stand-up and a writer. And why did you do that? I wasn't happy. Yeah. A- and and it sounds so stupid to say that, but I was making a ton of money. I kept getting promoted. I was the corporate vice president at Time Inc. Wow. Um, my job was great. I could you know I played a lot of corporate golf. My boss was cool. By the time I left uh but at the end of the day i was still a, a numbers pusher i was on the finance side yeah um and i'd started doing stand-up and acting on the side okay i was like that's
0: was it just like just because is that something that you were always interested in you know all right here's the secret for you chris when i was 21 years old i said i'm gonna be a writer
1: that's what i always kind of wanted to do as a kid i'm like right. I-, I like being creative i like that stuff i, I moved to uh, new york city and I sent in, sent a couple of pitches out to magazines like Esquire, New York. You know, right. this is the late '80s. Got a couple of not even horrible rejections. Like not like you should never be a writer. <laughs>
0: Don't <Wait>. ever <laughs> do this again.
1: Break all your pencils and go go fill out except <laughs> right. for one, and use that to go fill out an application at <laughs> McDonald's. Uh, I got two very nice rejections saying, "Hey, great story. Uh, we have something like this in the works. Keep us posted." That's a,
0: that's a really good way of putting it. I'm gonna. Right, that's uh, steal that
1: from That's <laughs> so nice. And the other one was very similar vein. It wasn't like "f off" or right. I, the the dreaded "no response." It was timely responses that said "nice," but not quite right for us. Uh, and for some reason, to my 21 year old head, that was the ultimate rejection. I put all the pencils down and didn't touch writing again for like a decade. Wow. Which I, I don't know if it was a confidence crusher or it just yeah. something. And then I started making more money on the corporate side, and I got
0: lazy. Right. Right. You keep getting promoted. Oh, yeah. You keep getting you get, money. You get comfortable. I don't, it's, I, don't, it's, I don't know if lazy is the right word. Like you, you got lazy, obviously, on the, the dream. On the dream. Absolutely. But, but as far as like uh, the money adds a lot of comfort and pl- plus all the perks. Right. Um, it was all you know, the perks. Two huge publications. Yeah. I mean, I was working
1: at nationally. I mean, at Penthouse, I was a vice president there. I was running a million dollar company. Right. Um, at 28 years old. So I had a lot of leeway. I had a lot of uh, dispensable cash. Things were going well. And I was like, oh, I would like to write. But right. eh, you know, I have money. I can
0: drink. And Which is crazy because you, since you were at a publication, you're like, oh, like you're the vice president. You're like, you can slip one. You, you never just slipped one in there and like use a pseudonym? That's how. <laughs> Who's this Jerry Sadler guy? <laughs> <That> <laughs> uh, just is, a guy I know. Don't worry about don't, it. Just, don't worry about but, it. It'll be fine. <laughs> he, uh, when I started –
1: the dream back up again, so to speak, uh, it was kind of right around 9-11, which is a whole nother mind fuck. Um, but I was working at Popular Science, and I hung out. I was the, the head of the finance side, but I hung out with all the editors making $15,000 a year. Mm. And I actually would slip in some articles. Mm. Like, they would review gear and, oh, we got this fancy golf club. Nobody golfs. I'm like, oh, raise my hand. I, I, I golf. I'll, I'll write that up for you. Right. So I would write like some video game box reviews, stuff okay. like that. Um, which never got paid for, and I didn't care. You know, I just wanted the bylines to help get me to the next spot. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then I started doing both where I was, you know, magic suit guy every day for like 60 hours a week. And then I would just take off the suit and go do Caroline's or, or, yeah. or The Cellar and do a stand-up, a couple of stand-up sets, do so, improv.
0: So wait, you stopped at, let's say, uh, you you stopped at 21, right? You did the, you sent the letters in. Yep. You're like, no, never mind. How long was it before you actually like okay I'm going to hit the stage or like you got the itch to go ooh I need to ah. See so I probably stopped in 89 yep
1: and didn't happen again until the summer of 2001
0: I can't do that math but it's a long time. That 30 years? <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so it's like 40 50 years. <laughs> no, Man. so it's over a decade so that's 12 13 yeah. years. Wow. And I was I kind of, uh, at Time Make, I kept moving up and I'm like, oh, it was one of those. I love the money. Everybody loves making the money, but I hated what I was doing. Right. And I hated a couple of my bosses. Like things got wacky. Okay. And then uh, things all lined up where I had a good boss, a good company. Everything was going great. I'm like, oh, I still hate my job. What happened? (laughs) uh, Oh, all the things I was blaming it on got better. And I was like, no, I still, this isn't what I want to do. So I started doing it. Uh,
0: kind of both. That's when I started jumping right. into some acting classes and
1: doing improv and, and doing stand-up.
0: So what, you know, as you've transitioned now for close to another decade, right? I, qu- uh, I quit corporate gig in
1: 2004.
0: So yeah, it's been 10 years. Right. Um, what What have you taken from your corporate experience that kind of helps you on like the creative side? Um,
1: I mean, I always had confidence on the business side, which sounds so crazy, just because I didn't know any better. Right. Like, I seem to be doing well at it, and I just kept blasting through. And I, I've, I've said this before. I think because I'm tall and I have a decent voice, people uh, give me that Morgan Freeman gravitas. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know shit about shit. But I go in, and I the improv, I think I was doing. You're like 17. <laughs> and you just get up and walk out. That's what I used to do. Like, I, I never, if I didn't know anything, I would yes and it. Like And this is before I knew anything about improv. Uh-huh. Like I would be running a meeting with 20 people, and they'd say, well, we need to do X, Y, and Z to get the budget figure. Steve, is that okay? Absolutely. Let's go forward with that, but only Z, not X. Okay, let's go. Right. And then I would always go back to my office and go, oh, fuck, what did they ask? And then <laughs> I'd figure it out. I'm, and if I ever made a mistake, I would just go back and say, you know what? We we rethought that. We're going to do this. But because I was quick in the room, right. everybody thought I knew what I was doing. <laughs>
0: Well, that's also like that speaks to. I always feel like, because I have a very similar background, right? I I did stand up, I did the reverse. I did stand up comedy. Like, I started doing that when I was 17, wrote, you know, had my first writing job at the age of 22. Okay. And just like I still write to this day, but I love. The idea of ideas and like how to make an idea happen, so they just happen to become a little bit more corporate mm-hmm. marketing. I run an innovation team for a very well known marketing agency, and we have a lot of fun, nice, but I think some of that comedic timing and that ability to be improvisational mm-hmm. works not only on stage but in a you know in a in a boardroom right well uh, now that you're
1: in the corporate world, like it's a pretty boring place, right. So, in meetings, like again, coming from Penthouse, which served me well because it wasn't a real company, right. like it was kind of a cluster clock of a place <laughs> where I, I, my personality did very well. Sorry, are we allowed to curse on this show? <laughs> <Okay>. Yes, there's. <laughs> on my 14th my not listening, I don't think. <laughs> uh, Shout out to Oasis. Nice. Long, long story. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> so, when I, by the time I got to Real Magazines, I was like, this is me, you know, and I was just always off the cuff. And that always served me well. And I've said throughout my time at Time Inc. I kept getting promoted. I think just because I'm a good guy to have in the room, right? Like everybody can kind of do the job, but if it's between me and the, the CPA, who you know thinks a pencil is funny, <laughs> you're going to want to yeah. take me on a sales
0: meeting. And, and so, where like did your sense of humor come out in your day to day work? Absolutely, yeah. And and
1: when I finally started doing like stand up, like I did it in the closet for like six months. That's the wrong term. That's I fun. did it. You know, I did it on you the side for the six show, months. Too. <laughs> What a, just Don't say fire truck like you did earlier. <laughs> oh, we're gonna ride fire trucks later. Uh, <laughs> doing stand up in a closet would be really sad. <laughs> yeah, that would be sad well, for audience. Got to practice somewhere. Um, when I finally like started saying to people like, "That's what I was doing," like, "Oh yeah, that that makes sense." Yeah, okay, yeah, you, you shouldn't be doing the the suit and tie right. thing. Um, uh, what
0: was I gonna say? There was something important there. I don't know, improv and business and being in the room and just having that spontan- spontaneity ability. That's okay. We'll get it back. That's a brain fart. This is, oh, man. This, brain is fart. All, this is all a full circles show. Line up fire trucks and we'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, you've had some successes since you left, obviously. Like, I, I feel like, you know, when I look at your resume and obviously the business background has helped, especially being at a higher level in the organization, it's not like you were, you know, a contributor. Yeah. And you're like I'm gonna do stand up now. Like, um, so, You've been able to parlay that into books, right, or a book? Or? I got one book so far Okay, under
1: my belt about my years at Penthouse. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say the best thing that the corporate world gave me was— A book. <laughs> <laughs> the book was good, but the, also the financial security right. to do what I'm doing now. Right, right. Because you know, my peers in acting in New York are living hand-to-mouth. Right. Um, even the comics. You know, I interview a ton of people for my show— and people who are doing very well still live in tiny little apartments in New York and are barely scraping by. I'm like, yeah,
0: that's just not. That's a tough way to go through life. It sucks for you, man. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. I'm gonna go eat a lobster tail. <laughs> a lobster tail stuff with some crab claws, <laughs> and also I might have dessert. <laughs> no, that is dessert after two steaks. <laughs> right. No, uh, I.
1: You know, I'm not rich. I made enough money where we can survive. Right. You know, I got two kids. I still worry about the future. Uh, last year, I, I, f- I figured it out when I did my taxes last year. I made as much as I made in 1988, my first year working at penthouse. Like that, that's not a good, that's not a good <laughs> bar to meet. Gases prices have gone up a little bit. since then, And I have two kids in a house and scary, scary taxes.
0: Would you, would you, do you think you would have eventually been compelled to make the same decision if you did not have that financial security?
1: Um, no uh you know this is the quitting the job is something we've talked about a ton of times um it was scary as shit dude because i was i was making six figures right like there, there was even a little time before that when i had a shitty boss where i was really actively i think trying to get fired i'm <laughs> like shit i give me give me six months a year of severance right you know i can take that do stand up and, and bury myself in the creative side and do great uh but they would never force me out They they actually promoted me again I don't know how that happened, <laughs> um, but when I left, you know, thank thank God, my wife was crazy supportive, right? Because um, if she would have been not been on board, I would never have done it. Because like you know, literally right. when we were talking about, it, I'm like, eh, I'm thinking of quitting the job with the big big paycheck to go do the thing that pays fifteen dollars. like, Okay. <laughs> She and she <laughs> was it
0: that I mean was it that simple or was it was
1: like, all right, let's plan this out. Somebody had a, a producer had met with me and, and stuff was was helping me out with some stuff and she had told me over lunch one day, she's like, Man, look at you, you're so unhappy with your job. You just have to pick, you know, just bury the creative stuff again right. for another ten years and just follow the corporate path and you'll probably do well. Or if you want to do the creative stuff, you got you gotta do it because you can't do that with one foot in. Right. Which is kind of what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. She, and she said simply, just, just quit your job. And I went home at night, literally like thinking that was the funniest thing ever, and told my wife, I'm like, yeah, the crazy bitch said, hey, why don't you just quit your job? And I still remember we were laying in bed in the dark, and she said, well, why don't you? I'm like, ooh, that's, that's a crazy supportive yeah. wife. That's awesome. Like, and we, we talked about it for a couple of days. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Nice. And that, the first Monday morning, I was home, it was terrifying i bet like uh, yeah because you've been working for, since your 20s <laughs> and like you know like and grown-up stuff owned right. a house woke up at six in the morning to commute into manhattan you know right. I, it was like a movie that's that's i was
0: doing getting home at eight o'clock at night and all of a sudden it's just
1: the world is my oyster
0: so i'm gonna get back into the book in a second mm-hmm. but just kind of like you said you have two resumes yep. what is give us some highlights from the post you know corporate uh career um Man, there's some cool... I've done TV, you know, uh, back when
1: the soaps were in New York. I would work on the soaps every once in a while. Never, like, anything anybody would remember. But uh, all my children, they would keep having me on. (laughs) And at some point, I think the second or third time, they just stopped giving my character a name. Like, I was a bank manager, (laughs) and then... I'd be like a, a month later. I would be like telling somebody that somebody died. I was the prison psychologist. I'm like, you think anybody? Right. No, no, right. our guys don't care. Nobody cares. Like maybe if your mom's watching it, she'll go, "Oh, wait a minute. He was just working in a bank last week." I was always like the. Guy- then eventually, once they found like a white uh, doctor's coat that fit me, yes. they would just keep bringing me in for any any doctor role that had to say something important. <laughs> like, well, he died in the prison riot. <laughs> Cut to something now. <laughs> um, and then I've done uh, when I and when I first quit. Uh, I've talked about this a ton on my show. It was the worst timing in the world in New York because all the shows went away. Right. It was Law and Order,
0: and that's it. <laughs> which everybody has. Have you done? Law and or? I'm the only one who I've never been on a Law and Order. Uh, shout out to Law and Order. I'm looking in the mic like they can see me. Um. <laughs> Are you in there? Are you in there, Mr. Wolf? <laughs> um, there's the book you've been contributing to Men's Health. For men's a health. While. I mean, I, I've I actually hosted the
1: Men's Health podcast for three years, which. You know, I spent three years just interviewing the biggest celebrities and athletes and all my football idols and acting idols. how
0: did that come about? Like that, that, that seems like an amazing because I love podcasting as you yeah. guys can tell, right? You yeah, can tell Anthony. <laughs> um, no, but how, like, how did that come about? Like, you know, uh,
1: one of the one. I remember when I said when I worked at Popular Science, I would yes. sneak in articles. One of the guys there was you know third or fourth in the chain of command. He had left to go work at Men's Health. Lost tra- Lost touch with him. Right. About two or three years into uh my my creative life i just scored a, sh- a thing on a pilot for nbc kidnapped right this time i was an important guy with a gun saying three lines about somebody who died um do you have a doctor's coat on
0: too no i was uh full and weird
1: full uh army swat team right oh, yeah, nice. yeah yeah sweating like a motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> um but i was running around the rooftops of brooklyn it was like i was a kid again it was fantastic That's so cool um and i out of the blue he had reached out to me saying he was you know still at men's health he was like number 2 there he's like did you you went back to corporate world right there's no way you're still acting like you didn't still give up all that money there's no it's, way, it's, there's no way you followed you really followed your dream nobody ever does that i'm like oh no i'm still doing it i just scored an nbc thing it was pretty cool right and so he had me write an article for men's health uh you know like a like a, a feature about quitting my job and following your dream which was read by 12 million people Man, my that's awesome. in, inbox was filled okay. with all these people Oh my God, you're such an inspiration. There's still a few people to this. that was in '08. Uh, one of the guys was living in Seattle. Mm-hmm. He's like, you've inspired me. I'm gonna fight. He he moved to Nashville now. He's like touring with uh, country acts as like a touring guitarist. Huh. He's doing phenomenal. Another kid was in Florida. He's like, I've always wanted to do stand up, man. That's inspirational. I hope I get the, the ball someday. Kind of talking through it. He moved to New York. Started doing stand up. Like that's cool to inspire people to that point. Um, and then. I kept writing for Men's Health, doing uh, some stuff here and there for them. And at some point, whoever was doing their podcast right. got another job. And, you know. And most magazines are like, ah, I don't know who's going to do it. He, went on, he went on tour as a guitarist. He went on tour as a guitarist. I ruined his career. Uh, and I, I guess in the back of his head, again, the same guy said, oh, do you want to host our podcast? Because you know, nobody really wants to step up and do it. I'm like, yeah. And it was the first couple of episodes were just me in a room like this yeah. interviewing editors. And I was like, "All right, guys, this is not." It, I'm like, "It, it was very and the old their old podcast was very NPR, right? Okay, so on today's show, we'll be talking about diamond pushups." I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't do that!" And they would, you know, I would interview editors. I'm like, "Nobody wants to go to a podcast to hear about the article they just read in
0: this right. month." I don't. It's know. called uh, transmedia.
1: Yeah, I'm like, "All right, if, if you want to do that, that's fine, but that's right. not for me." I said, "How about I know some people in showbiz? I got connections. Can I interview some some people?" I, I don't think they cared one way or the other. They were probably going to kill it. Then I came out here. I talked to Adam Carolla, who I'd worked with. Mm. Uh, Todd Glass. We did the first couple episodes. And they're like, "Oh, oh yeah, that's kind of good. That, we just keep doing that." Yeah. I'm like, okay. So it just built from
0: there. What did you? What did you uh, during that time? That three years, mm-hmm. um, and also, penthouse, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What do you know about men? Very little. And, and you're stand. You're a stay-at-home dad. It's like I feel like there's been so such a weird shift in how men are perceived or said to act or whatever. Like all the rules around manhood have changed. Yes. From the metrosexual to the. (laughs) Well, even the media portrayal, like in the
1: eighties, I think we're the same, roughly the same generation ish. You look much younger than me, but I'm going to put myself, put myself with you. I put a leather cleaner on my my face. (laughs) I'm covered in bronzer right now. (laughs) Um, but like in the 80s it was Rambo it was John McClane it was like these guy oily bull hunks right I'm like that wasn't me you know I, when I left college I was 150 pounds go ahead when you <laughs> were you were you 150 pounds like how tall are you I'm 6'3 and I was literally 150 That's pounds scary. I was scary I was a newborn colt. like you could, I could barely <laughs> control my arms and legs um but yeah, yeah I've always been like I, I think the 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 the, the Point of view about men has changed more to my because I never fit in. I was never like even in college. I wasn't one of those ah, get yeah, drunk yeah. and get drunk frat, and rape. R- yeah, frat, I wasn't a frat, a frat guy. Um, so, you know, it, the, but the the point of view of men like we have become dumbed down in the media. Right, like every guy now in a commercial is like, what it gets better gas mileage? Cool, like they're <laughs> always the dumb dad. Right, um, and it has become you know Michael Sarah is like the. The, the prototypical male, right. yeah. John, uh, I love Galifianakis, but like that's now the benchmark. Like the the the, uh, the in shape, buff guys are almost
0: like being pushed out, right? Or they're just doing the, like the epic historical action, like the Hercules. Yes, or you know, um, is
1: it, now, is it wrong that when I when I saw them, that they were doing The Rock with Hercules, I just thought that was a goof. <laughs> it just seems so spot on. I'm like, no, that's
0: not. That's that's like an SNL skit, right? That's not right. <laughs> right, exactly. I saw somebody. Did, there was like a meme going around now, like a, a bunch of old like '90s pictures of The oh. Rock, oh with Hercules on it. So he's got like a turtleneck and a necklace, and he's like, he's he's heavy. He's not as trim, so mm-hmm. he's like rounder. It's just like a turtleneck. Tucking.
1: The one I saw, he had like the almost a kid and play stove
0: top, like a little bit shaved on the side, but <laughs> yeah. poofed up on top. Like that's not a good luck for you. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, so, what, like, I, again, just kind of like, um, what? How do you like? How do we appeal to the average guy, right? Because like, I, I have same same sort of perspective as you. Mm-hmm. Even my daughter when she watches the Disney Channel, right? Like when, um, oh, Full House was out, and when like. There was always a role for, like, a lesson from Bob Sack. And that show is, like, still on now. My, my daughter loves it. That's why I bring it up. We still watch it every night. <laughs> and then, but you watch, like, a newer show, and the parents are dumb. Oh, absolutely. Like, any, any new-ish sitcom, the parents are, like, unimportant, you know, silly. They're, they're the breakaway characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I They're think- almost, they, they're, they're the Charlie Brown teachers
1: brought to life. Right. And wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Like, they come in, they say something stupid, and they, they exit stage, right. stage left and Ariana Grande comes in and kills with a punchline. I don't know. <laughs> um,
0: no, I, 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 do you have a I guess like a, an extension of your opinion on that whole like idea of how to appeal adults roles or even men's roles in, you know, in entertainment, I guess.
1: Yeah, like, you know, I I, I struggle with that every day because I am a forty-eight-year-old white guy with a couple of bucks. Like, I, there's a million of me. Right. Like, how am I? Like, it's I even have a tough time relating to like, uh, I do improv with twenty-five-year-olds. I'm like, I, the conversation is good for like twenty minutes, and then I say something, and it just right over their right, head. Right. They're, like, oh, that's right, that was the '90s. <laughs> you were in diapers. Like,
0: what is Area 52? Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the the Beatles. It was a four-person rock band. <laughs> like, oh man. Um, but yeah, it's a tough. I'm not sure. I at this point I almost feel like it's not even a man woman thing it's a it's a generation thing right because I've always related to most people but now I find it's a little di- more difficult As like the 20 year olds who I've always gotten along with when I was 20 I hung out with 30 40 50 60 year olds right and you know I I've, I've always covered the age gap now I find it increasingly more difficult to talk to 20 year olds not that you know that sounds yes. like a creepy guy. No,
0: I, that's why I you know, was very silent.
1: Yeah. I didn't want to be an accomplice. <laughs> but, you know, in New York and performing and, and doing stuff, you run into people of all ages. Right. Um, and, you know, I'll hang out with anybody. And then I'm sitting in a bar having a beer and talking with them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I could be your dad. <laughs> okay. That's just weird. Maybe
0: moonwalk yeah. of this conversation.
1: <laughs> but the, the, uh, as far as in the media, like, there's not a lot. Um, I, I'm never sure. Like I, I always like I said, I get the roles. Uh, I go audition for the guy who has something to put move the story along. Right. Like I, it, there's either the dumb guy who, who's going to be the star or the yeah. father or you know just the side guy in the back who moves information and says this guy's dead or that that car is on fire or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure how I'm, I, there's so many different things that have changed sure. generationally. Like w- ten years ago, when. In 2000, when we were, I was 57 years old. <laughs> things hadn't changed that much in the 20 years leading up to that point. Right. But from 2000 to now, yeah. the world has changed exponentially. Like, there's no way my kid can understand how I used to watch three channels. Right. Right. But like, it's f- four and seven. But 15 years ago, if you were telling somebody who had cable, right. oh, you got 20 channels. Oh, boy, when I was a kid, we only got two, four, and seven. We had to get up and change it with our hands. Like, and that would blow their mind. But now my kid is like, I we're going to have dinner. I watch a different Disney movie every night and he scrolls through and he has every Disney movie ever produced. Right.
0: Like right. Do you remember like. He, no, he, I know. Like, you know, and uh, I mean, even stuff like uh, the one kind of thing I experienced going away is video stores. Oh, yeah. Because my daughter, like, you know, full between, let's call it four to seven like we would go to the video store and then she would go pick up something physically and like i would talk to her about that movie and you know like you you take this journey through a physical space and you're able it, it's a it becomes a good conversation like every moment's a teaching mm-hmm. moment when you're there yep. um where now like netflix is just a matter of scrolling through and it's like half the movies i don't know anyway cuz they're like knockoffs like Hercules 2 like wait there was a, there was a sequel <laughs> you, you know or 105 Dalmatians. Where do these other three come from? Every Disney movie comes out like the, the car. There was one
1: right after Cars because my kid loved cars. Right. And it was something similar to that. Right. It was like autos. <laughs> and it was the worst animation in the world. And he sat there for 20 minutes going, Daddy, what is this? Exactly. It's just horrible. Yeah. But he, he has Netflix on the iPad. Right. And I, you know. And he's good. He's better at it than I am. So he flips through and finds it, and he goes, "Daddy, did you watch Breaking Bad last night?" Oh, okay. Give me that. Stop looking at that. What are you doing? Come on, don't look at that.
0: He's cute. That's why my kids don't get into my Netflix account. You know, right next to me too. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of like that whole you know the transition, you coming out of a corporate space, entering Mm -hmm. you know more creative entertainment, and then adding technology as a layer to that, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially from talent discovery. uh, You look at the YouTubes of the world and like, oh, here's my reel, or I'm just going to talk into my webcam. Um, Have you adapted to, you know, the technological use of your 20-year-old peers? That's –
1: it is – I mean, in 2004, like, the shit that was available then compared to what is now, like, is infinitely different. Like, there was no YouTube – when I quit my job. Right. Like that came out a year later. Uh, right when I was doing the transition, I was, I've always been, I don't want to say cutting edge, but because I worked at Popular Science. It's innovation
0: Crutch. You can say. It's
1: Innovation Crutch. I'm an early adopter.
0: Yes, there you go. I was working okay. at Popular people Science. Know, now people know what you're talking about.
1: And I had disposable income. <laughs> right. I bought a lot of toys. Right. You know, right. I had, I had all the video games. I, I had everything. I had my, you know, I had my own uh, Canon XRR one you know, the one that Soderbergh would shoot movies on. Like I had my own. I didn't know how to use it. I right. would shoot stuff. Um, but I would, I there was a – before YouTube, Spacey's company had done Trigger Street. I don't know if you remember that uh-huh. back in the day. You could upload. And I I did my first short really? in the basement. And I was trying to do creative stuff like that that now I could do in 10 minutes with my phone. Right. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I had this expensive camera, and I was doing it on my, my ginormous G5 iMac. Um, but I was always trying to stay ahead. So luckily, when the new stuff came in, I was able to incorporate it. Right. I wasn't great at some aspects of it. The, the I took that corporate mindset of all right, you know, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta grease the palms, you gotta take care of these people. I would go meet with casting directors. In New York, you meet a handful of casting directors and hey, send them a note, thanks so much, you know, have a couple of coffees on me and send them a fifty dollar Starbucks gift certificate. Right. Because that's what I did in corporate world. You
0: never hear back from them again.
1: <laughs> I would hear back like oh. <laughs> uh don't do that. Oh wow. Like Uh, Some people were borderline offended. Some were like, that's not necessary. And and I didn't know until I started getting into it more. Like my peers, even like – older guys like me who should have money, Mm -hmm. they still don't have any money and they can't even afford like a $50 class. Right. Like, so to be sending, I guess that was considered an exorbitant gift to be sending to a casting director. So I did I guess I was coming across as kind of a douche, like trying to buy, I'm like, I just want to be nice to people because that's my corporate back. There's no place for nice people in Hollywood. There really isn't. I mean, imagine if I went around in LA, just passing out $50 (laughs) Apple iTunes store cards. Here you go, buddy. Here's the card. Hey, help me out. Don't forget Stevie B. Um, but there was also there were a lot of hurdles. Right. Uh so there was that social one. Uh the technical stuff I've always tried to stay ahead of. Like I had my own like I got the Steve Belanger domain. Right. Before people had their own domains. Like now everybody has their own URL in this. Uh, and I've heard Both. from a couple of Steve Belangers. Like, Yeah, you bastard, you got there before <laughs> I did. Like I have my Twitter handle, like I have everything in my name. Yeah. You should get them all together and just do like a Steve Belanger party. <laughs> I just got an email from somebody uh, that I know in LA. She's at some Vancouver festival. She's like, "Are you here in Vancouver?" Steve Melanger signed in in front of me. I'm like, "That's not possible. It's not a common name." <laughs> um, but yeah, I
0: still, you know, I got my own website. Right. I shoot video. I've, I've done shorts. And then I think I think one of the one of the biggest hurdles, right? Uh, not even hurdle, but just is the need to sort of self-market, right, in mm. a way that's organic and not like, me, me, me. But, like, how do you participate in the social and digital conversation, you know, especially as this is, a, relatively speaking, a new-ish career move for you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, how, like, how do you approach that part of self-promotion, when, you, especially when you come from a corporate background where you're like, hey, here's here marketing team, do this. Like, you are the marketing team. It, it's tough. And be, it's so much easier mm-hmm.
1: To, you know, have people promote you than to promote yourself, Yep. you know? Um, I mean, I remember when I was started doing stand-up, I was uh, barking in Manhattan. and you know what that is? No. Uh, for the comedy clubs to get a spot, you they'd hand you a stack of flyers and right. you'd go right, 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 to right, right, Times Square. Comedy show? Comedy, come to comedy. Come see live comedy, live comedy. Because famous stars, come see comedy. I'm like, I'd be standing there doing that just feeling like shit because – I make six figures, you know, I, right. an hour ago I was wearing a suit and make $200,000 a year. I'm now asking tourists to come see me do up. Uh, just, that side of it, I just was never good at. Right. And even when I was doing it, there was no social media. Right. You know, I would invite friends like you I had to do word of mouth. Yeah. Um, now i I've, I've, you try. Yeah. You know, now that I, have, I had the men's health podcast, so they would promote it. That helped. I would promote that because it's, you know it wasn't come see me come look at me right uh, it w- and it was not you like were giving
0: a, people a pro- like you were giving them something
1: that was valuable yeah it's not me talking you know come listen to me and me be so witty no it's right. come come hear me talk to henry winkler for an hour come hear yeah. me sit down with adrian peterson and and you know barry sanders these are some cool people come listen to this right um and now i have my own show here at sideshow i still interview the same kind of level of people yep so i don't feel too bad hawking that but when I do other stuff like my book, like I had a hard time marketing that because it's right. like oh, I'm so I'm so cool. Come look at my book.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's, a, that's did you, like. Did you ever discover a formula? Because the, a the fact that you actually did pass out the flyers, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, most people like that's where you stop, right? I, it, I remember in college, I had a, a you know, it was like a winter break, and I had a job where I had to put on like a giant Dracula head, <laughs> and it was cold, and it was like uh, go rent. These I farmers. have to uh, clarify that was it. Dracula or Blackula? It, it, no, it was it was Dracula. Which even and then I had an identity crisis. So, so you were like, <laughs> I was like, I can't even get the black Dracula head. I'm and I le- like I did that job for two hours.
1: You know, and Oreo is always coming up with these new flavors. They need like an Oreo Dracula Blackula. I <laughs> think so.
0: I think Mulatto Jilla. I had Mulatto for dessert last night. Delicious. Mm. Uh, what was her name? <laughs> hey.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you, I did uh, like you said, you wore it for two hours. Yeah, I
0: but you, I you marked a in. couple of times, right?
1: And I was like, oh, I just can't, yeah. do
0: this. So, uh, but that's, that raises an interesting point, just in that idea of like finding a you know a product or a service that you can actually do that you love that also works to uh, and, for okay grocery. in tandem with oh, our a, <laughs> tables ready <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, nice meeting you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, but that, like it some, finding something that works in tandem. So it's not necessarily marketing. It is a product that serves a purpose of marketing, but mm-hmm. it's organic to who you are. Yeah. I mean, it
1: that that is the the dream goal, you know. Right. I with the book I I was able to kind of give me a reason to go on shows and talk right about penthouse and my career and different stuff. Um so it didn't feel like, look at me. At least with the book, I had a, a physical product. Right. And now with the podcast, I can go on and talk about the podcast and the interviews yeah. I do. Um, a lot of times, I'll come on shows uh, and be interviewed about. I'm like the the quit your job and follow your dreams guy. That's what I wrote down as po- potentially the title essence That's, of this episode. So I've done I've done so many of those interviews about like on Donny Deutsch and CNBC right. and all these shows, and I'm like, I always I get a ton of emails afterwards saying, oh, I'm I'm so I want to do what you did, and I I write. Back to everybody, and I really tell them like think it over <laughs> like i i 've done well right, but it's not the norm, and I've only done well because
0: I had you know a big pot of money set yeah, but, aside but that's a, that's the whole point, nobody wants the norm like and and, and people are afraid to not to abandon it right mm-hmm. and and do something like they're either really passionate about it, and like it's I feel like it's a conversation it's a You hear that message a lot, right? Mm -hmm. You don't hear from a lot of people who've done it. Yeah,
1: and that's what it was. Like everybody has that dream, but not that many of us follow it. Not that many people uh, like are like me, stupid enough to do it. Um, But there are you did stand up. Yep. Like, how many times did you run into people? Oh, man, my friends always tell me I should go on a stand-up, dude. <laughs> right, right, and I say, no, right. you shouldn't. Right. <laughs> Very few people should. I probably shouldn't have. Right. But uh, it's just not for everybody. Yeah. And the same thing right. with following your dream. Like, whatever your dream is, like just think it through. Be, be prepared to fail. Right. You know, I knew that if I didn't do well at this, which I am doing borderline well enough to keep going. Right. But I always, I'm entertained, by the way. Just so oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I'm very good at uh, uh, doing things that don't make a lot of money. <laughs> if I got paid a, a two thousand dollars to guest on podcasts, I'd be very successful. <laughs> but I, I, I am, you know, still kind of living my dream. Right. I mean, every week, I talk to some of my acting and music idols. You know, mm-hmm. um, I have somehow through this business got some some amazing friends that are people I've worshipped for for decades. Right. Um, It's a pretty cool life, and the best part of quitting my job was that it let me raise my two sons. Yeah, I never would have quit, as horrible as that is to say, as as a human being. No way I was going to quit that kind of six figure job to take care of my sons. Right, like it just nobody does that. But I did, and it allowed me that opportunity. I mean, I've been it was it was was like a, a perk. It was a perk. <laughs> yeah. I quit in 04. Uh, my first son came along in 07. Right. And my wife and I were like, I'm home. You know, maybe this this is the time to do it. Let's let's start the family. Brandy 413. Brandy, 413. Brandy,
0: 413.
1: Brandy to the stage, please. Coming up next, Brandy. That's <laughs> <laughs> the worst strip joint ever. <laughs> Fire truck. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the name of the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the fact that, that that's still uh, all the other stuff is – to the sidelines of being able to be home with my kids 24 seven for all this time is amazing.
0: Aside from don't do it. Um, (laughs) what, what advice do you give those individuals? Like what are some of the practical steps? Like, of you know, is it do your research or do it gently? Or do you like jump parachute feet first or, or no parachute even like what I say, make sure you have some kind of support. I had a loving, supportive
1: wife, like, if, you're, if your family thinks it's a crappy idea, like you need your friends to support you. Like it, you it, no man is an island. No woman is an island. Right. It's, it's a hard thing to do on your own. Uh, those first couple of years, I had a lot of breakdowns because yeah. shit just didn't go my way. My wife was supportive. My friends were still crazy supportive. Um, you need whoever it is, even if it's one person, you right. need somebody in your corner. Um, you need to do the research. You can't just say, I've always wanted to open a cupcake store. And then you know, quit your job and on Monday start looking around and go, wait, there are eight fucking cupcake stores 40 feet from my house. Right. Um, whatever you, that dream is, you have to kind of plot it out. And I explained. I, for three years, I led the, the dual lifestyle. You can't succeed doing that. But you should do it for a while just to make sure that's what you want to do. Right. Because if I had said I want to, I'm going to quit my job to be a stand-up – quit my job, and then the next day went on stage for the first time, that shit wouldn't have gone well. Right, right, right. You need to you need to live in that world for a little bit just to make sure it's still what you think it is and you think you want to do it forever.
0: Yeah. And then, like, is, it, was there anything in terms of, like, I know you, just in terms of listening to that voice, right? It's, and I don't know, like, I, some people are, like, there's the, the security gets to them, right? Like, mm-hmm. um. You know, just as far as like the change in lifestyle, how did that? How did it that affect your your family? Right, like where? It, after, once you, because once your wife says yes and she's supportive and gung ho, mm-hmm. and you said like two years later, you are like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> like how? What was the dynamic then? Did did it? What? Uh, how did how did that go? The the one of the uh, the ideal things was that
1: we didn't lead an exorbitant lifestyle, right? Like I did when I started making a lot of money we didn't live up to that lifestyle she didn't come from money i was poor as shit as a kid like you know having a couple of bucks around yes i would play golf and yes i'd have all the toys but you know i would just keep paying down my mortgage like i didn't i didn't right. i didn't burn through it as soon as living i got it living below your means I, well. we never go out to dinner like we, we even when we before we had kids we led a quiet life just happy to be together and right. and, and hanging out so when the money stopped coming in things really didn't change that much. Right. The big change was the kids because then the money started flying out (laughs) pretty quick. Trust me. But it it still wasn't like, uh, now it's getting a little scary just because I'm starting to think college, you know, and I'm starting to make those financial moves to make sure they're taken care of Yeah. because they're probably going to be as smart as me, which has not bode well for them. (laughs) Hopefully they get the mom's looks. You are, uh, you're also Henry Winkler certified. I am. I am. uh, That's still one of the things that boggles my mind. (laughs) <laughs> is that I'm, I'm friends and buddies with Henry Winkler
0: How, because how, I I heard on, I heard episode 18 of your podcast Okay, he, he was uh, a guest Like, I wrote down one of the things because he's like I really enjoy being on this earth Which I feel like is just such a profound statement He really
1: is one of those, he's just so genuine like that Yeah, yeah.
0: He's just happy to be alive So how did like how did that relationship come about for you, just out of curiosity? Uh, a buddy of mine, Joel Stein,
1: who writes for Time Magazine Mm-hmm he, uh, we were having dinner one night and we were talking. And he's one of those guys. I he always interviews celebrities, right? Which is kind of what I do. And I think, oh, you must be friends with. He's like, no, I'm not friendly with any of them. I'm like, oh, I stay in touch with everybody. I touch. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I think that's just uh, my kind of crazy mindset. Like that, right. I just think that's how life works. Yeah, uh, I'm friends with William Hurt, the actor. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, we worked for a day on a TV show. You know, and I just pal around with everybody. And two days later, we were playing golf, and we, we've been friends ever since. Um so Joel had mentioned he, that he just talked to Henry Winkler. I'm mean, like, "Oh, I would love to chat with Henry." You know, yeah. for, for this is when I was doing the men's health show. And he's like, "All right, let me send him an email." And 20 minutes later I got uh, a a message. "Stephen, this is Henry. Uh, Joel says wonderful things about you. I'd love to do whatever <laughs> you want to do. Call me." I'm like, "Oh my god, Fonzie just called me." <laughs> and I played the message for my wife. I'm like, "Look, oh, Fonzie just called your husband." Um and then I interviewed him for Men's Health, and he couldn't have been nicer. Like he, we talked right uh, afterwards, and he found out that my acting career. He, give me your headshot, give me your stuff. Like within two weeks, I was auditioning for Royal Pains in New York. Oh, nice! So he he hooked that up, um,
0: and we just stayed in touch. He just did my right. my my other show. Now uh, with with those kind of like profound statements, right? He seems like a very uh, enlightened guy. Right, mm-hmm. listening to the show. Um, I know, like, when I talk to guests, like, I'm always pulling something personal mm-hmm. out of their stories. Like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, whether it's, a, you know, a life lesson or, oh, I should think about something that way. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you pull from your guests? Like, what what's the experience like for you being in the conversation, you know, being on this side of the uh, <laughs> of the table? I, what I always
1: pull is, I mean, I think this is what served me well for years with Men's Health and now my own show is – I'll talk to anybody. Everybody's got a cool story. Right. Right? I mean, it, I just happen to talk to mostly big name people. <laughs> but I, you know, I enjoy talking to, you know, even any like writers, anybody who has a story to tell, because I love the journeys. Right. Everybody has that different story. Yeah. But there's always one or two moments that if shit didn't go A to B, it would have been a whole different yeah. journey for them. And I And I know that's the same way with me. You know, if I hadn't. If nine eleven hadn't happened, I don't know if I would have had the balls to do to pursue all of this. Really, so that was kind of that was a like a defining moment for you. I was in Manhattan. I was kind right. of I was kind of starting to do the sure. r- picking up the writing thing again, uh, and I had just taken like two acting classes, going, oh, maybe, uh, and then you know, shit, the world changed, and we were, you know, I was on on thirty third Street, right, in, in oh, the wow. in the shadow of the Empire State Building. Yeah, uh, my wife, you know, running to my building for coverage. And all of a sudden, you know, all of us huddled in my office, going, "Oh, the next tallest building is right there!" Like not knowing what the fuck was going to happen. So, uh, not over drama, drama, dramatizing. No, oh, that's great. That's a horrible word, Dramatiz- dramatization. 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 One <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> Um But from the f- f- in, in the uh, the morning after that period, I was like, okay, uh, a jo- You know, money is money, but you know, do what you life want to do. Life is life. Life is life. Like. Yeah. I've always I've always thought I love stand up. We're looking at a picture of Robin Williams now, Johnny yeah. Carson. These are guys I admire.
0: Rodney film was just yeah. all, fantastic people. Woody Allen, please yes. um, let's read them all. And I was like, all right, that's oh, some, Henry and Henry Winkler and, is on the wall. That's my buddy. Boom! This
1: is uh the, that's something I wanted to try. And the, these, are, you know, I started doing the acting, the improv. I just started doing all throwing spaghetti against the wall. Right. I just wanted to try everything. Well, you
0: thrust yourself into that world fully. Like, you were committed at yeah, that point.
1: At that, and, and, you know, the fear just went away. It was like, all right, just try it. Just do, do it. it. And I fell in love with it, and, and it's been a hell of a ride. But that's when I talk to people. Like, that's what I try and get out of them is like that relive that joy. Relive the journey. Right. Um, because everybody loves it. Once they get into it, they, sometimes they go, yeah, yeah, that A to B, yeah, boy, that is quite a
0: <laughs> – I guess they all – everything will well, up. I know, I like looking at, like – I like looking at how people are, you know, especially at, at a point of success, are a perfect storm of their experiences, mm-hmm. right? Like, I talked to a guy, just it wasn't even on the show, but it just in the meeting, like, super brilliant dude. Um, and he was like, my dad was in the military, and he was always about perfection, and I read a lot of books. And then, you know, and then when he was 12, he almost drowned. So he had, like, the, the discipline plus the drowning equals... A different perspective mm-hmm. on the you know just it
1: gives you a, it gives him a different filter than you right. and I would have.
0: Yep, and so so not even just the A to B, but just like the the whole amalgamation. I was even talking to my wife earlier, like you know, if this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened, we probably wouldn't have met. Like absolutely, you know? and some of this the, some of the stuff that happened along the way was you know wasn't very pleasant. Mm-hmm. Right, some of it was awesome, but you know if certain things hadn't happened in your life, you know, and it can go. Dark, you know, when Sugar Ray Leonard was a guest in the show, yeah. he he was talking about how he wrote in his book about being molested as yeah. a kid. He's got some. But stuff. part of that was like anger that came out in the ring, mm-hmm. and which know. he might not have
1: had <laughs> exactly had to become the champ. Yeah, when I in some of those dark times, like when I had quit my job and things weren't going well, right, and the cocaine habit kicked in high gear, and you know I couldn't I could only keep so many dead hookers under the bed, <laughs> the arms that keep slipping out. <laughs> Uh, you know uh, there were times when i would go to like the dark side of of uh, i guess the word is regret Mm -hmm. you know you oh christ you know look uh, i'm i'm too old to be doing this you know damn well why didn't i jump into this when i was 20 when i should have done it and i'm like that kind of got washed away because eventually i don't know if it's as you mature and get a little bit older like if i would have done it when i was 20 it, it wouldn't have been probably any good and if it was really good I wouldn't have been able to handle the success that I would have hoped have, would have come Very my true. way. Um, so everything—it just sounds such a cliche, like chicken soup for my asshole <laughs> comment. But everything does happen for a reason. Yes. Like there's, there is horrible shit that happens to us. Yep. And but you get better because of it, or you change your filter, or you change your pathways because because of it. Um, so I, uh, regrets kind of not there for me anymore. Right. You know, I, I try. Oh, i bring it back to you. Thank you, okay. thank
0: you. Um, so, <laughs> 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 it's the most expensive therapy session ever. <laughs> Son of a bitch. So, uh, the show is called Innovation Crush. Yes. Um, you know, it's a it's a double entendre. Oh, mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, good. Thank yeah. you. Um, Nine years of French. <laughs> I, me too. And that's all that's I got. Other <laughs> I can't speak a lick. That mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like things that you're crushing on, or either people who are crushing it. Um, What out there in the world that you see today? Are you that you look at and you go, "Oh my gosh, that is amazing!" I hope that there's more of that. Um, It it
1: almost sounds like I I don't put myself in their category, but I look at guys like Marin and Louis Mm C.K. Like that—that is the the epitome. Like, because I don't want—I'm never going to be like this great actor. Like, I do my shtick, right? And it's fine. But I could play a version of me. Um, So either if if it's a talk show where I I do what I kind of do on the podcast and just get. It out there more in the world, or the Marin's podcast is amazing. But the fact that they both have those sitcoms right. that are kind of them veiled versions of them, but they are in so much control of I love that because I'm a control freak, sure. Um, so that's what I would really crush on because, again, back to the marketing conversation like, I don't like to parse out anything, yeah. I do everything myself because I've been doing it that way for 10 years, yep. Um, And I don't know if that's helping or hurting me, but that's the only way I know how to do it. You want to own the vision too, you know? I want to own the vision, and it's you know, it's not much of a vision. I'm a doughy middle aged white guy, like. But you
0: get it, like I think. I think you, the one thing you have in that, you know, even in that statement, is clarity, right? Some people don't know their lane, like, and it's okay to to be you know in that second tier, yeah. because there's a lot of room there, and and it's fun, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Um. Uh. Last but not least, hit me. Innovation to me is? Shark-like. Sharks have
1: to keep moving. I feel like you have to keep... And, and I, now I feel like I've done so well for decades staying an early adopter. Now I feel like sometimes shit get, gets past me. Right. Like they'll put one past the, through the five hole and I go, wait, what, Tinder, what is what now? <laughs> what is Grindr? Wait, what are people doing out there? Um, so I think with innovation, you have to keep... You just have to keep up, yep. um, which there's so many things out there now that I'm not going to use like Grindr or Tinder. One of them's the gay one. I don't understand. Grindr is Grindr, right? Okay, it's the, it's Grindr. I mixed up my LinkedIn and my Grindr accounts, and shit just got really weird there <laughs> hey, for a babe, week. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> uh oh. Please
0: disregard that picture that I exactly. group CC. Change profile pic. <laughs>
1: um, and you know, I try to stay I've been podcasting for five years. You've been doing it for a while. Like yep. we're, we're kind of ahead of the curve, yeah. not in the podcasting world, but in the general world. Yes. like People are just catching on to podcasting. Right. Um, I, that's the kind of thing. You want, you, I don't want to be first, and I don't want to be in the middle. I want to be in that sweet spot right in between those two. Right. I don't want to be last. <laughs> exactly. But I, 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 I never buy the first iPhone. Right. Like When it comes out, I'll sit back, and then two months later, once they get all the bugs fixed—
0: I'll take one. You're Like no, I'm yes. now, I'm good. now I'm good. Like, but even like I look at that as a piece of innovation, right? Is like opportunities to improve and rethink things, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you're not gonna, not everybody's going to invent, you know, the the latest in innovative thing. Most mm-hmm. times, it's going to be an improvement or a new use of, or you know, a new way to think about it. Mm-hmm. But the origination of whatever that thing is. You know, may not necessarily come from the innovator. Right? I, I, I'm never going to be the guy who comes up with the per, like the newest thing, right?
1: But I like seeing what people have done and building on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not a genius. I'm not that smart. But I, I beg to differ. But continue. I, I, you know, I'm I'm confident enough. I'm quick. You know, I have a certain wit. I, I can do. I I know my my toolbox. Um.
0: Don't look at Anthony.
1: He, he can't tell you. He can't tell you. I, I
0: saw somebody come in with a bag of food. I was like, Oh, I thought that. But it's table seventeen. Exactly. Table seventeen. Your order is ready, Brittany. <laughs>
1: um. So I don't want to be a follower, but I I like playing off of what other people have done. Right. But as soon as everybody, like, if everybody in the world starts getting a podcast, it's gonna lose its appeal to me because.
0: Eh. Do you like Mitch Hedberg? I do, because uh, as we were doing the whole party a bit, yeah. You know his Dufresne joke. Dufresne, party of five. Like he's sitting at a restaurant, Dufresne, party of five. And then he said, they didn't go, and he was like, Miller, party of three. And he's like, wait a minute, what happened to the Dufresnes? We need to find them. Like he's like, he talks about how they must be missing. And like he goes on this whole tangent about a search party. Um, and on that note, I want to thank you. Thank you, Christopher. For, uh, can I call you that? I think we're close enough you now. You can call me, yeah, you can
1: call me whatever. You've been sitting on my lap for an hour, I think. It's time it's, we.
0: It's a mutual sweat. I don't know who's
1: sweating more, me or you. Um, I think they've blended together as one. <laughs> Lapswit. It's like the worst True Blood That's episode ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good name for a strip club. Lapswit. Lap, sweat. Lap sweat. Oh. Um... And on that note, again, let's, uh, <laughs> this has been another installment of Innovation Crush. Thank you, Steve Belanger.
1: Thank you, Christopher. Uh, how can people find you, by the way, before? Oh, right. uh, SteveBelanger.com. On Twitter, I'm at Steve Belanger. And uh, just come to my
0: house. I'm sitting there changing diapers and watching Dora. Oh, n- nice. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.